You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one giant, giant step. step. All right, another, another, listen to me, another victory edition of one giant step. Sean Morash, Paul Dottino, as the Giants take care of business, an eight-point win over the Houston Texans on Sunday at the Meadowlands. As, ooh, seeing Brian Dable wearing a coat, you can tell that chill air is back at MetLife Stadium. And the Giants did play some cold-weather football. Paul, hello, how are you? Good morning, Sean. Doing very well. And, you know, I got to be honest with you, I've actually seen some Giants fans complaining in the Twitterverse about this and that, Galladay's drops, they didn't score enough points, blah, 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 blah. Are you forgetting the team is 7-2, and folks? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, And they won a game they were supposed to win. Look, I have some serious thoughts on this because I kind of saw the fan base – or some of the negativity in the fan base as well. And by the way, I think Kenny Galladay is a separate topic from that, and we will get to that. But sure. I don't want to lead with negativity, Paul. I want to lead with congratulations and positivity because whether you're his agent, whether you're the leader of his fan club, you nailed our fantasy versus reality segment. I just, I was sitting there with my dad, my sisters, my neighbor Dave watching the game yesterday. And when Lawrence Cager got in the end zone, I swear to you, I had no idea. My father, who I'm surprised knows how to operate a cell phone, apparently listens to the podcast. I didn't know. I couldn't get the words out fast enough before he went, Paul was right. He was all over Cager. Paul was right. I said, you listen to the pod. You don't tell me you listen to my own podcast. So he was all in on the Lawrence Cager stuff, and you nailed it. Lawrence Cager finds his way into the end zone to start the game for the Giants. So congrats, Paul. You were right. They were working all week on it, and suddenly – Suddenly, we still want Bellinger back. Clearly, the Giants show they can still pass the ball to tight ends here when, when there's a play like that for Cager. Yeah, you know, talking to Lawrence Cager after the game, Sean, and I appreciate that, he was disappointed that he got called for that illegal formation two snaps earlier. And and then here it was, they're down there in the red zone, and they call his number, Daniel Jones, on that roll to the left, and, and obviously wide open, made the play, uh, and, and got in there. So good stuff for him. I do think there's a lot more there, and if Bellinger's able to come back as as it looks like it's going to be sooner rather than later, uh, that would give the Giants two potential receiving threats from the tight end position. Yes, absolutely. And that look, the more weapons they can get their hands on, the better. And we'll talk about Isaiah Hodgins in a little bit, and obviously the Darius Slayton emergence. But from that point, Paul, let's piggyback off the point you just led the show with. 
there are two types of Giant fans seemingly today. One that is thrilled with the 7-2 and two record. Hey, Giants handled their business versus the Houston Texans. And let's face it, a game 24-16, still not as close. I mean, it, it, the game was not as close as the score indicates. I mean, the Giants led wire to wire. First game they've done that all year. They really out-physicled and manhandled the Texans throughout most of the game. And then the fans that I guess were looking for some kind of 45-3 to drubbing and comfortability I, I don't like that, Paul. I, I don't like that mindset. Look, I was somebody that picked 27 nothing. We were talking about scoring 30, so I get it. But I'm not upset at this because when you actually watch the game, forget the final score, did you really have a feeling throughout the game that the Houston Texans were going to somehow come and, and pull this out, even as Dane Belton's picking off a ball in the end zone? Did you really get that vibe? Because I never got that vibe. And look around the league. This Texan team was 14-14 with the Eagles the week before on Thursday Night Football for the Eagles found their way. Uh, I just saw the Kansas City Chiefs go up 20-0 and hold on to win a game by 10 points versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're supposed to be the cream of the crop. Shouldn't they be winning games 45-3 versus the Jaguars? Good teams, Paul. Good teams face an opponent, identify that opponent's weakness, take advantage of it, and go win a game that feels comfortably and at times feels like you're sleepwalking through. That's what the Giants did. They essentially felt like at times they slept walked through a game which oh by the way the betting lines and everything will tell you the Giants covered the spread too so they outperformed what the experts in Vegas thought they would perform that's a comfortable giant win even if it doesn't read 27 nothing Sean how many times did we say it during last week's program you could have hung a sheet from the Empire State Building and said Giants just run the ball until they prove they can stop you. And on the other side, control Damian Pierce, and you will win the game. The smoke signals were all over the place. And yet, as obvious as it was, the Giants still executed in both of those factors, and Houston couldn't do a damn thing about it. And this game, let's face it, Houston had 86 yards of total offense at halftime. I know the score was 7-3. to three, and the Giants had two opportunities in the extended red zone to kick field goals, and they bypassed them. I understand that. But that was Dable's confidence in, look, we're controlling everything about this game. We've got the narrative. We're writing the script to this game. And Houston's not going to be able to challenge us offensively. So why do we even need those points? I'll play field position because they're not going to do much against us anyway. And I understand right. why he felt that way. And it proved out to be true. Because the whole second half, I never for once thought the Giants were challenged in this game. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, and they're up 21-10 after Saquon runs in the end zone. And, and thank goodness Saquon needed to be rewarded with a touchdown there with the day he was having. Uh, and I heard it, I think, from our talking Giants guys. I, I like those guys over there. That uh, This was actually Saquon. We knew it was his most touches he ever had in an NFL game. He had had 40 touches at Penn State versus Iowa. But to that point, fed him, fed him, right. fed him. Deserved the touchdown. At 21-10, I mean, guys, that's a blowout in the NFL. And essentially what you saw here was, a, you know, a trading of field goals down the stretch. I mean, the last Texan field goal, who cares? It gets to 24-13. Like, right. this fixation on what the final score looks like, 24-16, the Giants blew them out. They blew out the Houston Texans and blew them out in an offensive game plan, Paul, where, as you mentioned about stopping the run, stopping the run, the one thing I will say you know, the Giants were so predictable in this game, but basically we're only going to throw on third downs, what it felt like. And Daniel Jones on the flip side was so successful throwing for the most part on those third downs and getting those completions. And including, by the way, on tape, and I saw you quote tweet at the, uh, the Darius Slayton touchdown where he's got falling down three guys in his face and stands in there and basically makes the throw. But the Giants were able to operate an offense, score 24 points while being extremely predictable. And that just shows you know, how well they're operating right now in all cylinders. 
You know, I want to give you a couple of numbers here because it really is the entire story of the ball game, and they were predictable numbers going in based on the matchup. Red zone, Giants two for two, Houston one for five. Third down, Giants seven for 13, Houston three for 10. Yeah. And then obviously turnovers. Giants won that with plus two. I mean, this was all predictable going in. And they right. did exactly what they were supposed to do, what they should have done. And the only other thing that I want to add here is that Saquon Barkley picked up a blitz on both of the explosive pass plays yes, to Slayton did. in the first half. The one that went for over 20 yards and the one where, oh, by the way, didn't we tell you, Petrie, 12 missed tackles coming into the game. And didn't he whiff on Slayton yep. on oh, what yeah. turned into be a touchdown? Everything in this game was so predictable. And the Giants executed in exactly the areas that they needed to and that Houston knew they were going to attack and they were powerless to do anything about it. Now, here's what I will say. The Giants need to play at a higher, more consistent level if they're going to continue to win games down the stretch against tougher opponents. They didn't need to do a whole lot better yesterday. Uh, so that's perfect. Man, Paul, we're like reading each other's mind. Perfect segue to where I want to get to. And we're going to get to the defense in a second, but on offense, when you say that about, you know, operating higher levels and getting there. It starts with the two guys that we've talked about seemingly all year, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. Number one for Saquon Barkley to have that many touches. Didn't look like his shoulder was laboring at all. Felt like the week off did Saquon a lot of good, Paul. Did you get the same vibe from Saquon? Because at least I absolutely did. In fact, I saw him after the game, right after he came out of the ice bath, before he went inside to talk to the writers uh, at the podium. And uh, he he was pretty tired and, and, and kind of robotic in some of his motions because he took a real load on his shoulders yesterday. But sure. in the game, in the game, that was vintage Saquon. I mean, totally. he, he he did everything. He was he was getting the dirty yards. He was making the cutbacks. He was using his speed. It, it was it was vintage Saquon Barkley. It reminded me a lot of Tiki in 05 versus the Chiefs on that Saturday afternoon game where the Chiefs just could not Good stop call. him at all. That was the Good game call. that came to mind where it was just, it doesn't matter. You know what's coming and you can't stop him and he's shouldering the load. That was the kind of running effort that I saw yesterday out of Saquon. And again, we know the Texans rush defense suspect from the get-go, but the Giants offensive line was extremely physical and both lines won the line of scrimmage all day yesterday. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And with that, 
I thought the other interesting part of this was Daniel Jones. So now Daniel Jones had the highest QBR rating in the league uh, yesterday, the highest one of his career, and people get into QBR. Well, he didn't throw that much. I thought Daniel Jones yesterday was another one of those examples where if you're a hater on Daniel Jones, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, he didn't go throw for 300 yards. Oh, a bunch of his yards took place on the slate and uh, catch, which, by the way, you know, big plays inflate quarterbacks numbers all the time, catches and runs and everything. What Daniel Jones was able to do yesterday when asked upon being put in such predictable third down passing situations and completing those at such a high percentage, finding the open receivers coming out of the, I, I just, I thought that Daniels was in the red zone. I thought Daniel Jones just saw the field so well yesterday. And again, you go back to that slate and catch and run, rewatch and rewatch that play and think about how hard a throw that is for Daniel Jones to make as he's falling down. Uh, I just think another a plus effort from Daniel Jones. And Oh, by the way, He's thrown one real interception this year, that week one versus the Titans, uh, where Dable got in his face. Since then, you know, he's had David Sills fall down versus Dallas. He's not turning the ball over. Everybody screamed about Daniel Jones turning the ball over. He ain't turning it over, and the Giants are winning games. All right, let's see. He has now gone six consecutive games without an interception, and that is a career-long streak for him. He has three fumbles during the course of this season. That's it. Um. And yesterday, 13 out of 17, I actually charged Gall- uh, Galladay with two drops. The first oh, one too. where he only got one hand on it, uh, I think that should have been a drop. Paul, it should have been a drop. He did. He, it looked like, at least the eyes. And again, I don't know what's going on with Galladay and I had eye ups for him. It was as if he didn't extend at all. I mean, yeah, I mean not and to even me, an effort. And there's thing. nobody around him, Sean. So to me, not only does he have to fully extend, you got to lunge and dive for that ball. Make yeah, you're heading towards the sideline. He's heading towards the sideline. Lay out a so, little bit. So I don't know what's going on there. So I charged him with a drop on that, a drop on the one that was point blank right in his chest, and then I charged Myrick with a drop on that flat pass to the right yeah. sideline. So 13 out of 17 with three drops. I mean, listen, folks, if you want to keep criticizing Daniel Jones, criticize his haircut because you don't like it. Don't criticize his play. I like his haircut. And by the way, there was what, and this is where you credit Daniel Jones. Watch quarterbacks across the league. Patrick Mahomes misses throws. Josh Allen turned the ball over left and right in the fourth quarter yesterday. Daniel Jones missed one throw yesterday. One throw that was to play to slate, slate. over the middle. Of slate. Yeah, exactly. If you That's can it. sit here. If you can sit here after a giant game and actually say, ah, you know the one throw Jones missed? The one. The one. If that's what you're saying and that's what you're using to critique him, well, then there's no reason critiquing him. You're literally saying he missed one play in the game. Every quarterback misses a play here. That It's I don't bananas. Know, man. It's insanity. Uh, How Jones much more does he out. have to do, Sean? How I much more know. does he have to do? And by the but way, that- I don't believe in pure numbers, but that, that quarterback rating yesterday was the sixth highest game ever in New York Giants yeah. franchise history. Let's just put that out there. Yeah, he played incredible. And so with that, and when you want to talk about making plays versus teams, good teams and playing better, right? Clearly, they are going to run into teams and defenses that can stop the run a little better. I mean, we've seen Saquon have slow first halves in games where teams see what Saquon's doing coming and the Giants have a slow start to a game. Those games are going to happen again. What I'm seeing out of Daniel Jones is maybe we're not showing a lot in the first half. I think Wandell Robinson, I'd like to see him more involved because I think he could be clearly a weapon. And we saw a little moment yesterday. We've seen the tight end game going on here. I think that 
three things were established yesterday for me going forward and looking ahead to some of these, you know, cream of the crop games the Giants are going to have coming up. Number one, Paul, you, you have no choice now but to trust Darius Slayton. When called upon during this entire stretch, Darius Slayton has made plays. I mean, that play yesterday was incredible. You never see a big play like that. Breaking tackles, his speed is an absolute weapon. That's number one. Number two, you know what? One week off a of bye coming in, coming into this team, and I know he knows the coaching staff, Isaiah Hodgins looked like a player at the wide receiver position for the Giants yesterday. Okay, and matter of fact, when he caught the first pass he caught, I thought it was Kenny Galladay, right? I see the number 18. It looked like a 19 on TV. He's got the same, you know, tall body type. Yeah, yeah. Isaiah Hodgins to me, and I'm not telling you he's going to go out there and be Plaxico Burris. What I saw in just those two spurts, reliable hands, a guy who clearly can run the route tree, a bigger body, not the Smurfs that you've been alluding to, Paul. Isaiah Hodgins, to me, has a chance to be part of the solution to a Giants problem at the receiving game and plays a little complimentary football to what Darius Slayton provides and what Wondell Robinson provides. And I look at those three and go, if those three are healthy, you know what? That's a threesome I can live with here. And uh, and then the third point I was going to make, and you mentioned the Galladay, the first drop, that second drop is completely unacceptable. The coaching staff gave him every opportunity to earn his role back. He was playing so many snaps in that first half. And right. look, there are guys in this team that are just playing better, and Hodgins is one of those yep. guys. So when I look at it, you know, going forward, the Giants have an ability to make plays through the air in the second half versus these teams. You know, look again, they may not have Justin Jefferson out there or AJ Brown. But Slayton, potentially Hodgins, Robinson to go along with play action, but to work with Barkley, the Giants are going to have that ability and opportunity if the coaching staff trusts Daniel Jones to play versus some of these teams and go make plays through the air. All right. Let me uh, go back in reverse here for just a second, because okay. I think it's very important to take note of what you just said. Number one, doesn't need any expansion at all. But but your second and third points are, are very interesting because – um, as far as Galladay's concerned, this is another example of the players in the locker room looking at a head coach and trying to figure out, does he mean what he says when he proclaims that you have to earn your snaps? Well, Galladay's practiced really well the last couple of weeks. They gave him a chance in the first half. He failed to produce. He comes out of the game. Doesn't right. that indicate the coach means what he says? Absolutely. Just further Absolutely. enhancing the trust that this team has in their coaching staff. I think that is incredibly valuable, Sean. Yeah, the other and, and thing I way, would add. And, Go ahead. Paul, before, please, before you add anything, and this is just a minor caveat to that, talking about Dable, that point about the trust in the coach goes into his you know rant on the sideline screaming at Jack Anderson for the penalty because yes. – because you don't see Dable doing that often. Just like when Daniel Jones threw the interception in week one in Nashville, when you see him exploding on Jack Anderson there, when Brian Dable needs to get his point across, it doesn't eventually become white noise or ambient noise because he's not doing it yelling and screaming all the time. And I think that's important to getting a message across that the coach means business and it ties into the Galladay benching. When he speaks, people listen. Yep. And that's Got what it. you have to have in the locker room. OK, and there was transparency. He said that he told Mike Grohl, the receivers coach at halftime, to go tell Galladay he's sitting down. They they're very clear. They're very right there. They wear it all on their sleeve. Yep. They tell everybody what's going on and they follow through. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. All right, back to your second point about Hodgins. This is a guy who I find it's interesting. Three years at Oregon State, you're right, he's a skyscraping receiver, only runs in the four sixes. But I think what's interesting to me is that in his last year at Oregon State, he caught over 80 passes for like 1,100-something yards, okay? He was productive, but didn't get a whole lot of hoopla when he came out of school. Now, the interesting part for me is that The Giants have Robert Foster, who we've all thought of with the Bills' connection as the taller, speedier kind of receiver that Dable and Shane insisted on bringing down from the Bills. Right. And yet, and yet, even when they brought him back a couple of weeks ago to the practice squad, what happened when Hodgson's was available? They signed him immediately off waivers to the 53, and he jumped Robert Foster. What does that tell you about what they think about this guy? Because not only did he immediately come off of waivers, because when you come off waivers, you have to go 53. You can't go practice squad. Right. But they knew that they wanted this guy on the 53. That's why they put the claim in. And then he goes and plays, what was it, 40% of the snaps yesterday? Yeah, I couldn't believe the Right out of the box. Could not believe the snaps. That tells you what they think of him, Sean. Well, also must tell Something's there. Paul, I was going to tell you, must also tell you that despite, you know, forget the catch and the passes, they must trust him in the run game blocking as well because that was something David Sills did well, something Kenny yeah. Gallagher has done well. So if they're going to throw him full in there, and we saw how many times they ran, it wasn't like he played all those snaps and they were only passing downs. I mean, he clearly was out there on rundowns, Paul. And and with that, think about this just the, the best way to say, you know, should by the you way, be excited about it? was 62%, about- 62% of the snaps, by the way. It's a lot, okay? So now... The best way to simplify this Hodgins thing, and again, I don't know what he's going to become, but clearly the coaching staff likes him. And clearly I saw a guy with reliable hands. We've seen a lot of drops this year, right? I mean, wasn't a big complaint before the bye? A lot of drops. Isaiah Hodgins went I think I got him for 25 drops this year. Okay. So he didn't drop those two pulls down. Maybe they're coming. But I will tell you this. The simplest way to look at it. We all talk about this giant receiving core. Would Stephon Diggs be the Giants' number one receiver if he was acquired today? He would be. Would Gabe Davis be the Giants' number one receiver today? If he was required, he would be. Would McKenzie, the third receiver in Buffalo, be the number one receiver in the Giants? I got news for you. He would be. They're all better than Darius Slayton. They're all better than Kenny Galladay at this point. I'm really not counting Wondell Robinson, you know, rookie second round of slot. The reason I say that is this is who Isaiah Hodgins was buried behind. Teams are allowed to have, you know, reliable guys build depth, and the Bills had built that. 
just because Isaiah Hodgins wasn't running around all over the place playing all these snaps with the Bills doesn't mean, oh, he must suck. The Bills couldn't get him on the field. No, no. It means the Bills are so freaking deep and dynamic at wide receiver that it became a numbers game. We're not deep and dynamic at wide receiver. Guys are allowed to leave places <laughs> where they're buried and be really good elder places. It does happen in the NFL. Uh, by the way, there was a point in time the Giants had Cam Wake in camp and cut him, and he eventually became a great Dolphin pass rusher. That happens. So the Giants, again, maybe I'm getting way ahead of the curve here, but the point is the Giants might have something here. That's what I'm trying to say. The Giants might have something here, and thank goodness if they do. Well, I think the other thing to add, as long as you're talking about the offense and its potential during the second half of the season, is that we saw Seattle take Daniel Jones's running aspect out of the game a couple of weeks ago, and the Giants really didn't get much going besides that. Well, what happened in this game against the Texans? Daniel Jones, outside of one 10-yard first down scramble, which, by the way, Daniel, will you please learn how to slide? I know. You took I, a hit to the head? I thought the same thing. I said, here I we mean, go. Oh, no. Really? But anyway, right. but aside from that play, his legs were not a factor in this game. And the Giants yeah. proved, again, against a subpar opponent, that they could win a game without Daniel Jones necessarily becoming a major factor on the ground. Absolutely. All right. Before I make a couple defensive points, we talk about that. Do you have anything else on the offense, Paul? No, I just think that, again, Saquon Barkley picking up those two blitzes on the two big plays to Slayton should not go unnoticed. I come back to that a second time because we all know that Barkley was deficient in his pass protection earlier in his career. And I just think it's a testament to how hard he has worked to improve that aspect of his game. I, I completely agree. Now, the defensive side of the ball. Look, I mean, they did what they should do, right? They didn't allow Davis Mills to make too many plays. Uh, you know, Wink Martindale did enough. Dean Belton has the big interception, filling a lot of the role for McKinney. Pinnock has, a, you know, a couple pass rushing moves where they were able to kind of hybrid put together what they were missing with McKinney. I still think they will miss Xavier McKinney at some point. Um, but on top of that, Paul, and obviously you see Micah McFadden now basically replaced Tay Crowder as a yeah. starter. I thought that was really interesting. Tells you it was where surprising. they're that. With the second half. So, again, coaching staff making those waves. If I had one critique of the defense yesterday, it would again be, and I know it was there from, the from you know, Dexter Lawrence eventually. I, they got to get home more here with the front four. Dexter Lawrence is doing that. Leonard Williams is making plays, and I know that's a run-heavy team. This team at some point after Thanksgiving is going to need a healthy Aziz Ojolari pull to go with Thibodeau. I think it will alleviate a lot of the, the stress that Thibodeau's on there. He's getting held a lot. He's clearly a rookie that needs to develop a couple more moves. But against some of these bigger teams, like you're talking about, where the Giants are going to need to score some points, they're going to need to get home with, with, you know, with the pass rush a little bit more, Paul. Uh, I'm not sure how to answer that, that comment, Sean. They had four sacks and 12 hits on the quarterback yesterday. I understand it's a bad week to say that, and I understand that the numbers were there. But you could tell there were a couple plays yesterday where they're just like a foot shot. And it's, it seems to be Thibodeau all the time pushing the pocket, getting close, and he's a foot. And I just think now I, I know they get home yesterday, bad offensive line is Mills, but when they're playing Dak Prescott, when they're playing Jalen Hurts, right. I'm not sure that those same numbers are going to be there, Paul, with the same effort we're getting for the past. That's week. fair. That's fair. And, and you always are going to want more pressure on the passer. I mean, that's the defensive coordinator's mantra every week. If you can get more heat on the other team's quarterback, you're going to enhance your chances. So I don't blame you for wanting to get more. 
I just right. think it's a bad week to talk about well, it because they certainly got in there a lot. Now, well, well, Paul, to- Paul, though, the other part I was going to say, you know, Pinnock, you know, coming from the secondary, coming from the linebackers. I'm also talking about the two edges and the two tackles. When you look at look at it, Thibodeau, Ojolari eventually, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. There has to be plays going forward versus big teams. We don't need to bring a bunch of people like, like a Wink Martindale exotic look. Although that is part of what Wink does. You know, that's true. Remember, remember, part of what makes him so special is the confusion and the lack of, of positions that he puts into his defensive scheme, which allows guys to come from all over, no matter what their name is and no matter what their title is. That's what he does. I mean, Pinnock, think about that. Think about Pinnock coming on the blitz yesterday and, and, Basically, just racking, racking yeah. mills. Who who would have predicted before the game that Pinnock is going to get pressure on the quarterback and come up with a no. sack? I mean, I, that's what makes Wink Wink. So I appreciate what you're saying. I just don't know if there's if there's enough of strength behind that 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 desire because they, yep. they'll do it in so many different ways. They don't have to necessarily get it from their big guns. I would add one thing, though, about Thibodeau. Thibodeau, and I've noticed this, and it's going to sound like sour grapes, but he's not putting me up to it. He is getting manhandled. They're choking him. They're wrestling him. There was a play yesterday where literally his jersey was being pulled half off of his body, and there's no flags. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to have to learn He's a rookie in this league. I know he's a number one draft pick and a top 10, but he's a rookie in this league. You're not going to get those calls. So it's pointless. Now, to his credit, he's not complaining about it. He's not looking at the refs, making a big deal about it. But the fact is, he has been getting manhandled and abused many, many times when flags should be thrown and they're not. He needs to, to work through that. As a rookie, that's known as, Tough cookies, my man. You're going to have to fight through it and get home anyway. And and right. I'd like to see him fight through more of the illegal stuff that's being done to him so that he yeah. can take his game to the next level. He might need to put a little more NFL man strength on him and not just rely totally on the speed. And look, I mean, as most rookies do. Right. And, and, and by the way, you know, tough cookies, by the way, I'm very now in the mood for sweets. Uh, I would tell you that, by the way, you know, a lot of these rookie pass rushers, Miles Garrett had, you know, a lot of, you know, troubles and stuff early on. And then these guys figure it out after year one. It's just as frustrating because you could see he's so close like that. That's what really irks me. Uh, before we close, though, Paul, I just real quick, Joe Shane appreciation comment. Hodgins, Cager, Pinnock. I'm sure I'm missing a few. Jalen Smith. You're talking about guys with heavy contributions and wins at the midway point that you feel like, wow, where would the team be without these guys that weren't even in training camp with the team, that were not even part of the equation when we were figuring out the 53-man roster, and they're all playing significant roles for this Giants team? It's the coaching staff that has coached these guys up. It's Joe Shane who made the final decision to bring these guys in. It's the personnel department that did their research, that said, hey, Joe, we think there's something here. Why don't you give this guy a look and see what we could do with him? It's all of them. And and from the, and this is why they talk about the importance of having a good organization from top to bottom. The Buffalo Bills have it. They've had it for several years. 
as they have crawled from the bottom of the ocean to being top contenders. And I know they lost again yesterday, but we know they're contenders. The fact that Dable and Shane and Bobby Johnson, even the offensive line coach who was here, and Tierney, the quarterback's coach, the fact that so many of these guys were part of that reconstruction of the Bills, I think was a very, very big component for me as I looked at this team in the offseason as they tried to get this ship back in the right direction. And it's really proven out to be so, so far. Just incredible. Hey, it's good times, Paul. It's good times. Now, back to the drawing board, back to a long week of practice. The Lions are not going to be the pushover the Texans were, in my opinion. They score a lot of points. I'm sure you will have a lot of thoughts on that when we close the week with our uh, predictions pod. Maybe you'll have another cager touchdown forecasted for us. Uh, Paul, where we can follow you on Twitter for the week in coverage with the Giants? At Giants WFAN. You can follow me at CBS. Thanks to our producer, Adam. And, of course, thank you for downloading, listening, subscribing. One giant step. Take care, everyone.